0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Next One Up podcast. You know, I'm pretty bummed that hockey's over. You guys know at this point that like I love playoff hockey and think it's one of the most exciting times in sports. Um, so it truly is officially dinger season because all we have is baseball.
1: I mean, honestly though, the Yankees are doing so well. It's been an and really sorry exciting. Are the Mets. Time. Exactly. So it's been a really exciting time for New York baseball yeah. right now, to be honest.
0: Yeah, so like honestly, all my attention is now turned to baseball because that's what we got.
1: <laughs> that's what we got, and then I don't know. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, Carly, I'll be right around all the corner. Around the corner, which I know
0: is <laughs> your your first love. Get excited! Get excited for <laughs> lots of analysis and screaming. Um, but I'm unfortunately, 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 I can't troll Urban Meyer this year because he's gone. Wait, I'm gonna miss the rants about him. That's so. I know, right? But I'm That's sure so like something will come up. Like I'm gonna find something. Yeah, for sure. It, like I'll do some investigation of like why we should be like yelling about Urban Meyer this week. <laughs> that should be like a weekly segment. <laughs> why we hate Urban Meyer this week. That's amazing. Um, but anyway, Stanley Caught wrapped up the other day. It was an amazing series between Tampa Bay Lightning, who were the defending champs two years in a row and the Colorado Avalanche um yeah so the Avs won it in six and they won it on Tampa's ice and I always think it's like an interesting thing in series where like you play Mm -hmm. home and away and then like you win it all on your opponent's home turf yeah it's like the Warriors it was such an
1: awkward celebration yeah
0: like, it's, a, it's like a weird thing, but like, obviously, you're going to win it when you can. You're not going to wait. You're not going to wait. But to game yeah. seven and possibly risk losing. But it's so uncomfortable. It's just, I feel like that's just so uncomfortable. It like sucks for the, it's like not great, right? Because you'd rather be in front of your fans. And then the fans that are there are very unhappy.
1: I keep thinking about that. If, I, if that was my favorite team in the world and I had to be there to see that, I would be so upset. So I would horrible. take that. Yeah, that'd be
0: rough. I mean, it's so, so sad.
1: Yeah. And imagine how much you pay for that. Like what if it's a blowout
0: and they lose? Right, right. Like it, I mean there's no good way. But yeah, the Aves won. Um I was I was rooting for the Aves a bit. Like I kinda wanted to see someone new when the cop for the cop to go to a new home and uh yeah, they they played a hell of a series. I mean both sides did, but the Aves <sighs> They came in with speed and they kept speed and they kept possession of the puck and they really dominated in the third period of that final game. And um Kemper, who was their goaltender, he, he's not in the top ranking goalies, but he was able to step up to the plate and do what he needed to do. And they came out with a win. Um great great coaching sathley put together a really good team, that front office staff and interestingly enough that gm had won the cup la- with playing for colorado the last time colorado won so full circle for him which is really cool um and we have a really good interview today with a guy who has spent a lot of time in the hockey world and i talked to him about his thoughts and he had a really interesting take on how the coaches approached it afterwards specifically the lightning coaches and how how much grace they had in mm-hmm. a time of loss so I thought that was a really interesting perspective and you know you guys will hear that later in our interview. I love that.
1: The humility yeah. and just like the sportsmanship.
0: Absolutely. And it it takes so much self-awareness to have that in you know some of those most disappointing moments. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So, but but really great series and yeah, it's uh it's officially truly baseball season. <laughs> It's a good
1: time. The Yankees and the Mets, like New York City baseball, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was like it's so funny. I was actually looking at like Subway series tickets and I was like, damn, pricey, because like <laughs> both these teams were both teams are top notch this year.
1: Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. And Aaron Judge is I remember, Carly, we kind of discussed mm-hmm. this a while ago. I remember when people were like, What's gonna happen? You mm-hmm. know, he's not playing mm-hmm. all. I remember we discussed the fact that he would likely adjust. Yes, you know, and he did, and he, he really exceeded those expectations, right? And now
0: he's paying, he's playing for that money. He knows that he because now yeah. he it's like he's showing off and saying, "You don't want to pay me? Well, I'm gonna <laughs> you know show out, and I'm gonna get all these offers." in. I know. I do you actually, think he'll end up with the Yankees? It was in the I do It was really funny. My cousin texted me yesterday actually and said, "How sexy would it be if Steve Cohen decided to sign Aaron Judge?" Oh
1: that's such a funny <laughs> that's hilarious and I went very 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 that would be amazing for Aaron, you Aaron
0: Judge in a Mets uniform
1: you'd be so you'd be so I, I can't I don't see it but you'd be delighted
0: I know I would I would well, well I mean who knows I doubt it but I mean Steve Cohen is throwing around money so <laughs> now so oh uh, <laughs> and
1: um you know basketball for agency obviously in full swing right now yes my this pup is-
0: Yes. I'm sorry Carly, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say like I'm ready for drama as <laughs> usual with the <laughs> NBA. You know.
1: um, I have I already have a public enemy and we're not <laughs> and we're not even that far into the off season, but um to, so basically the Blazers squad followed by Dame and Nurk have been trying to recruit Durant like via a Twitter campaign to mm-hmm. get to go to Portland. And everyone's like speculating, talking, and Tony Durant, Kevin Durant's brother, comes in and weighs in and basically was not happy about it and was like no sir on Twitter. Hmm. And so now he's my new public enemy since he doesn't approve of this trade. That wasn't even that viable anyway. But can you imagine Durant Portland? Like I would be oh I would be so
0: happy. Yeah, I mean, it would obviously like make a huge difference on that team. And you know, I would deal and Dame with Dame wouldn't have to carry it.
1: I know, and I would, and I would deal with all of Durant's drama, like all the sideline stuff. Like I could take yeah. that honestly, but um, it's interesting because Kyrie obviously. But
0: you is you going- mm-hmm. it's? I mean, you were saying it's not like actually viable. I mean, do you, do you actually think he would go to the market? No, I do not. I do not think he'll go to Portland. Um,
1: yeah. but I do
0: appreciate the kid,
1: the public campaign to try to get him there. Like, <laughs> you can't, you can't fault them for it. You know,
0: it. you you don't know if you you'll never get if you don't ask.
1: Ask me, don't try. Yes, I don't fall apart. Right. But I, I don't foresee him going. Um, <laughs> although they have the best food ever, Durant, if you're listening, it's better. It's even better than New York. Um, but as far as the Nets, we have to talk about this. I'm sorry, sorry.
0: Durant, if you're listening. That's great. Okay.
1: Sorry. In the unlikely, <laughs> in the unlikely scenario that Durant Spotify suggests our podcast. <laughs> um, anyway um but i think that with the nets obviously with Kyrie going back it's so interesting because he was always so elusive and made it seem like he wasn't going to resign mm-hmm. and everyone's like he's out of there you know him and draft work chemistry now he's back so right. but here's here's the thing i see a lot of nets fans celebrating and i just wanted to ask why and here's why i need to ask why due to like injuries and him not being vaccinated he, he really didn't play that much and then when he did play in the 2021-2022 season, excuse me, the Nets were 30-23 and 23 when he was out, and they were only 14-15 and 15 when he played. Not great, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously Kyrie is at his best when he's locked in, when he's focused. We all know what he can do offensively. But he is just like a huge question mark to me. Some He's like one of those He's players. a huge, expensive question mark. Exactly. And he's one of those players that like, I'm not going to lie, this is such a... I thought about this a few times. If tomorrow morning he announced he was walking away from the game of basketball completely to pursue some of, like, his side ventures. Yeah. I would not be shocked.
0: Right. Like, that would not
1: surprise me. Do you like, think he-, he
0: loves basketball?
1: You know, I used to think so because, like, I remember as, as a kid, like, something I always admired about him was, like, the grueling training that he did. Like, he, you right. know, he's the dude who invented, like, dribbling with the trash bags, you know, to try mm-hmm. to work on your handling. Like, I would literally do that in my driveway because he did that. Right. You know? And, like, so I really feel like in the past he did. Right now, I, I don't think – Mm-hmm. He, again, like, he could walk away from the game tomorrow to pursue some of his passions, and I would not be surprised. Yeah. So wow. we'll see how that goes. But I just feel like everyone's also saying, okay, you know, you're going to have Ben Simmons back. We haven't seen Ben Simmons play in 85 years. So I don't know how that's <laughs> – 85
0: years. So I don't know how that's even going to go down, to be honest. Right. I, I agree. I mean, I always think of the meme that w- went around, like, you know, something about, like, my girl says she wants a guy who like, doesn't play – of the play games exactly The like, a picture it's, of Ben Simmons <laughs>
1: yeah it's just I don't know every time we hear oh Ben Simmons is coming back I'm like yep like we hear we hear this like every other month so yeah. I, I don't know personally I think for Nets fans who are celebrating like yeah you, you know you have Seth Curry you have Joe Harris several those other
0: pieces but it's just it's still stressful yeah yeah I mean especially because you intended for him to play a role Right, exactly, and that's just—I don't know—it's just—it's just stressful. Yeah. So that's our little. i say I don't have—I don't have much. There's a. There's obviously like a lot in the works. We'll f- be focusing on baseball more. Focusing on baseball uh, and
1: then yeah. free agency. With the NBA. I'll we'll do on all the crazy moves. I'm sure there's going
0: to be a lot. Like I said, there's always drama. Always I just want the always. drama. That's why, like, I mean, all... NBA players like I feel like live for the drama. They create the drama. They foster the drama. They fostered the drama. Well,
1: that's what makes the league, you know, as popular as it is in the offseason. Like, it's the offseason, and people are all over Twitter talking
0: about it. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. Um, including Kevin Durant's brother.
1: Exactly. Like, it's so It's so <laughs> funny. I, I can't speak to every sport, but I do think it's funny how, with the NBA specifically, you get all the family members. Family members in.
0: involved. It's hysterical. Carly, Westbrook's
1: brother was on a Twitter space, okay, arguing with fans. I mean, like that's crazy. Like, that, imagine your sibling. Like, that blows my mind.
0: I feel like the only person that is like that active, that is not a player in another sport is Patrick Mahomes' wife.
1: Oh my God. I was thinking that too. Yeah.
0: She's a, like, she's a prime example. Yeah. I'm sorry. She needs to get a hobby.
1: She's a little too, too much. Sometimes. It's too much.
0: It's too much. I
1: agree. I mean, I feel like as a player, it's already stressful enough. You're always in the headlines. You just want, you know, like you got to not be in the headlines for those types of things.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Um, So I think this is a good time that we get to our interview. We have a great interview for you guys. Um, Really um, great great content, super inspirational. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we do, and we will see you guys there. This week we welcome Lee Elias to the show. Lee is an award-winning author and an inspirational speaker that has coached hockey at all levels and has dedicated his career to teamwork and team building. Thanks for coming on the show.
2: Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to this one for a while, Carly, you know, ever since we reconnected on the phone and uh, appreciate the intro. I appreciate being here and I can't wait to do this with
0: you. Awesome. And for the listeners that don't know, um, I know Lee... I met him back in 2014 when I was a freshman at Drexel University. Um, he's also um, a Drexel Dragon, uh, and he came and spoke to the sports management program. And that uh, was right after he wrote his first book. I think. Think like yeah, it year. was.
2: It was and, yeah. De- you know, decades ago. In 2014. Yeah, and it <laughs> was
0: um, really impactful on me. So I reached back out, and, and it was great. We've we've been you know we've reconnected. And I recently was on his podcast, "Win Championship Traits for Life," which was great. So I'm happy to have you here.
2: Yeah, no, I'm happy to be here. You know, it's funny when you reached out to me um, and you you kind of told me that story. I was blown away because, as I told you, uh, that was actually one of my very first speaking engagements ever. Um, You know, I was fresh out of grad school, and uh, you know, it was just something I was trying out. Um, And you know, now eight years later, uh, to have—and I mean this—when that like made my day, the fact that, wow, I had impact on someone, you know what I mean? And, and again, that's always the goal, but to, to hear that I even went back to the first one and then to hear about what you were doing was just, I was elated. I was so happy for you and everything you've accomplished and continue to accomplish. Um, and that's the whole point, right? That's what networking is all about. That's what keeping connections is all about. Um, and yeah, I, I was ecstatic to, to hear from you and what you're doing. I can't say that enough. So congratulations to you, obviously, you. on what you've done so far. And I can't wait to see what you do moving forward.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And I do want to say like the one of the things that I like really took away from what you said, and I still do it today, is you mentioned like write down your goals, your career goals, your life goals, and like carry them with you all the time. Um right. so the tip to the listeners, like. And it, it does make a difference, um, even though like it seems like oh like why would putting a piece of paper with me all the time like really make a difference? But it does. Like it just reminds you of like why you get up every day and go to work and like why you do the things you do. So.
2: Right. It, it, look, in in addition to there being statistics about writing out your goals actually helping you succeed, succeed, uh, uh, achieve them, excuse me, um, and there are plenty of statistics to show that. You know, I'm always writing that Kobe Bryant quote about, hey, no, I made a contract with myself and I'm not negotiating it. Um, and that's the kind of way I always looked at it. You know, every time I needed to uh, be boosted or remember, you know, you pull out at the time wallet or you pull out whatever. Now it's a phone sometimes and they're there and it just refocuses you and reminds you. And, and, and those goals can change too, right? But the funny thing, Carly, is I've been doing that since I was a teenager and I put some lofty stuff on my lists. And I mean, really lofty. And I have always accomplished them. Um, and I mean, things when I'm writing them down, I go, that'll probably never happen, right? But and they do. Uh, and and you, you know, I didn't do it by myself. Obviously, a lot of people helped me. But the fact that they're there and I accomplish them, man, that gives you a whole other sense of an achievement and and belief. And that's why that's why I started doing it. I'm glad that you've done that. And I try and redo it every five years. You know, like like five years is usually what it takes to accomplish them. That's kind of how I plan them. And I, I do another one. And at any time in my life, I haven't had that list. I've always felt a little lost, and I'll try and sit down. But again, it's okay to change them. You don't, you don't have to lock it in if, if your priorities change. You have family, you have kids, you have life changes, um, or even your, your pursuit of what you want to do changes. It's okay to change them, but having it is so important.
0: Definitely agreed. Um, so I want to get a little bit into your background. You have a very diverse career background, life background, with a ton of different experiences. Can you just give us like a brief synopsis of how of that, those experiences and how they've gotten you to where you are now?
2: You want me to keep that brief?
0: Yes, <laughs> you can.
2: So, so yeah, I'll, I'll try and do it a two-minute drill. So I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, story goes, I got into ice hockey uh, rather late. I was about 12 years old when I started playing and I just fell in love with it immediately um, and started practicing and, and diving into it literally all of the time. Um, And I started moving up the ranks pretty quickly with that, and uh, in my later teen years, I found broadcasting and radio, and uh, I was blessed to have a second great love in my life. So I started pursuing both of those things, played college hockey, went to college at Montclair State University for my undergrad in broadcasting, Um, graduated, had a very, very brief cup of coffee in the minors, um, and then got into coaching. Uh, My my alma mater, actually, Montclair State, I was 22 years old when I was hired. Um, kind of out of necessity that's, that the team was going under um, and nobody wanted the job. And uh, for whatever reason, I felt like, hey, I can do this. Um, and, and together we turned that team around from a 5 and 25 record to a 25 and 5 record in my first year uh, with the team. And I started realizing that as much as I love playing, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I've got something here coaching, right? So I started to pursue that and develop a philosophy about team building and how important a bond is to a team winning a championship. That was when that seed was planted. Um, I also was working at the NHL at the time uh, to help launch the NHL network in Manhattan. So kind of at the top of the world. Um, And then it all came crashing down in 2008. Uh, Lost both jobs by no fault of my own within a month of each other. And I was devastated. but it's an interesting time because, uh, there, you know, I've had negative thoughts of wanting to quit and, and just not wanting to do anything. And I'll never forget two moments got me out of that. My father said to me, um, you know, you, you need to keep fighting. Like, if you keep fighting and you get what you want, you know, and you don't want to do it anymore, that's one thing. But don't just be down and out. And then the other one that happened, I can't explain this one, but um, someone, someone who wasn't even like a, a negative influence just kind of said nonchalantly, well, I guess that's it for Lee and Hockey. And for whatever reason, that really pissed me off. (laughs) Like I had atomic explosions in my eyes and I made a, I made a contract with myself in that moment. I said, I'm going to get back into this game and I'm going to go further than I ever have. And that sent me on a journey uh, to accomplish that. Uh, And, and I should say this at that time, my, my, my future wife, girlfriend at the time, Janet uh, joined the air force and went to medical school. So we ended up traveling the world um, and doing, doing hockey and business in different places. And we ended up in England. I got to coach professionally there. Um, I went to grad school during that time. Um, And we won a professional championship in England. I wrote a book about team bonding and, you know, we accomplished that. And I wrote another book about uh, the importance of team and business. And we made a business and, you know, accomplished those goals. I set out when I was at my lowest point, obviously married, married my wife, right? We had two beautiful kids, Logan and Alina, Um, And that brings us kind of today where we have three businesses, I'm still coaching pretty much, uh, you know, full time with multiple teams and doing a lot of broadcasting. And and the last note I'll tell you is that, you know, in that moment, I was down when I said, you know, I'm gonna get back into this game. Um, I, I, I did that. And in that process, really realized that it's not even so much the goal, but the journey that was important. And While I've been really blessed, and I mean that, to accomplish a lot uh, and still do accomplish a lot, that's not really the driving force anymore. The driving force is to be present, to live in the present moment. Uh, You know, the relationships, these conversations, that's really what motivates me today is is that present moment awareness and enjoying the journey because time's all we've got. And it's, it's great to have goals, but I don't identify myself by the goals I achieve. I identify myself by the people that I interact with and that, Hey, do my kids know that I love them? You know, do I know they love me, Uh, you know, being a husband, being a son, right? Uh, Those are the things that are really my championships now. And uh, and that's my, that's my day to day. Um, I'll tell you, last thing, you know, somebody asked me not too long ago, what's your goal? Like, like, do you want to coach in the NHL? And I said, no, my goal is is to be here and now. This was in, in England. I was coaching in England this year again. And he says, no, but like, what do you want to do long-term? I said, you're not hearing me. I said, I want to be right here right now. And I said, it will take care of itself. Um, I'm present. That's where I want to be. So that is not two minutes, but that is the very short edition of my life brought to you by Carly live on your podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. And I do really appreciate what you're saying. I think like in terms of recreating your goals as you kind of figure out what's important to you in life. Mm -hmm. Um, I know personally, and I think a lot of people can relate that they get caught up in their job title. You get caught up in your, what you do for a living, but that doesn't really represent who you are as a person. Um, And I think, especially in a business where like sports, where there can be glamour and It's fun and exciting. And, you know, you have these really cool experiences and this great title and, you know, everyone's like, wow, that's so cool. You work for this league and this team, you, you get caught up in that. And then when it's not there anymore, you have this kind of like, well, who am I and what's important to me now.
2: That's exactly what happened to me when I was working at the NHL um, and, and being a college coach, which, which were phenomenal experiences. I'm very proud of the time and the work that I did But I identified through it and when it was gone what was left my family my my girlfriend at the time wife now um you know the people that really cared about me and and I learned then that like wow I was really going the wrong direction so uh it was hard very hard but I'm so thankful that it happened you know and and this this was professionally the worst time of my life and I'm so thankful for it today because it taught me these things and yeah, you know, like at my companies, we don't even have job titles, uh, unless you need one, like there are scenarios where you need to have one. Uh, and most of the times I'll let the employee decide what that title is going to be, because I don't want them to identify in the in the office as oh, I'm, I'm this. It's no, you're part of our team, right? You are part of our team. You are a major uh, a part of what happens here. Your title does not define you, right? And that's, we've had great success with that. So yeah. it goes beyond just sport.
0: I think that is a great method. And I think um, you know, more companies should should think about, you know, working well, yeah. like Obviously, like very large scale companies is difficult, but I think it's like something to think about for sure. Right.
2: I don't like any labels, right? I don't I don't even like generational labels. Like, how are you gonna put 10 years of human beings in the same generational label? Like that doesn't make any sense to me. So look, there are times you need to explain who you are and what you do. I fully acknowledge that, but I don't. I don't wear that as a badge on my chest. I'm a CEO. Like I, 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 I never want to be called a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I call me team leader. That's what I like to be yeah. called. But uh, yeah, I just I think there's a lot to learn there. And, uh, and again, it, it goes to all walks of life where a team is
0: present. Definitely. So you mentioned it's come up a few times that um, a lot of your life and career has revolved around hockey, mm-hmm. whether it be playing, coaching, working in NHL. What does the sport mean to you and what makes hockey unique?
2: Wow. Great question. Uh, You know, the younger version of me, just from a sport basis, I just love everything about hockey, the chaos, the speed, the endurance, the, the playing through pain nature of it. And then obviously the team nature of it, but that just fit my personality at a young age. Um, You know, it's funny, before I played, tried out other sports. I just, I wasn't even really an athlete, but when I learned how to rollerblade, and then I got on the ice the first time and I just knew and your listeners understand what I'm talking about. I just knew like, this is what I want to do <laughs> um, and I could skate quite well. So that helped a lot, too. Uh, so from just a, a base level, the speed and the, and the nature of the game. And it's just nonstop spoke to me um, and I thrived in that. And, and I love learning about the game. I loved practicing. Uh, you know, I was, I was the kid taking 500 shots every night in his garage, not going to parties. I just, and I loved it. I loved it. That, that's not a brag. Like I would rather have been doing that. That's just where I was at. Did, didn't make a lot of friends doing that, but you know, that's where I was at. Um, uh, now, bigger picture, especially since I've spent almost 30 years doing it, um, you know, it's the, the vehicle it is for a growth as, as people. Um, and that's not limited to hockey. Uh, that's, that's really every sport. I loved the, ability to use and I'll, I'll say hockey, but really sport, to teach life lessons, to teach adversity, to teach how to get back up when someone's, you know, literally or not literally hit you in the face. Um, and then the ability for a group of people to come together to accomplish something when they all have different backgrounds, different beliefs, some of them like each other, some of them don't. To me, that's like a little miracle every time it happens. And when I realized you could apply that to really any group environment, team, business, family. I mean, it even, the game even grew more in my eyes, you know? So hockey was just my conduit. Like that, I think that that conduit changes depending on the person. And I don't think it's always sports, right? But the, the gifts that experiencing that game have given me in my life have been Tremendous. Uh, e- even including, Carly, like, I remember going through a whole time period where I was really upset with hockey. I says, and I'm speaking out about it like it's a person on purpose. I remember thinking like, hockey doesn't do any, it doesn't give me anything, and kind of come to the realization, which might be silly to some of you, but like, hockey's not a person and it doesn't owe me anything. <laughs> you know, that's how into it I was getting, and the the realization. This was a big one of I don't have to play this game to be happy. I choose this game to be happy, right? Like we talked about identity a minute ago. That was a major eye-opening moment. And then I enjoyed the game even more. So um, it's, it's just kind of always been around me since, since about 10 years old. Um, and I, I love everything about it. I really do. I, I gotta say this again, I'm so blessed. <laughs> I try and be as humble as I can because I'm so blessed to have that in my life. You know, not everybody gets a love like that. Right. And I got, I got two of them. I got broadcasting too. So I, I, when I wake up every morning, I really say thank you for letting me experience these things because it, it, it's it's a gift.
0: That's a really great way to look at that. Um, like what you said, I think when we anyone, whether whatever it may be when you find something you're very passionate about, not everyone finds that in life right
2: right. Um, and and we forget that too much, right? And we, yeah. we take that for granted. you know, yeah, I've
0: actually. <clears throat> until this right. moment never never thought, wow, like I'm so grateful for like finding my passion right. because some people look for it their whole lives.
2: Right. And, and, yeah. you know, look, I, we should also say too, if you don't have something like that, th- that's not th- wrong. You know what I mean? Like I always right. say like, it's not wrong. Like it might be your family too. Like my family is a major passion of mine yeah. too, but, <laughs> but there's nothing wrong if you don't have that, if you're comfortable with your life. Yeah. Right. It's really about finding peace and you and I are the type of people, of, if we're not doing a thousand things, we, we get really annoyed very quickly, right? So, you know, th- this fits our personality. You with football, you amaze me with your love of football um, and, and, and what you've accomplished in that game, which I think is way better than what I've accomplished in my sport. You know what I mean? So, um, I, I, look, everyone's on their journey, but I'm just thankful that I get to experience multiple things that I love, my family being number one you know, hockey and broadcasting being right there. And then, you know, the, the the journey that that's given me, how am I not supposed to be thankful for that? Right? Got right. You got to wake up every day that one.
0: Absolutely. I agree. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the Stanley Cup. <laughs> sure. Now that we talk about hockey, and I love hockey as well. Um, Also influenced by my dad, um loving hockey. And I got into it a little bit later. I got into it in high school. Um, football's my first love, but I really, I there's nothing like hockey. There's nothing like the NHL no. playoffs, right? Truly. I agree. <laughs> um, I think it, it's the best playoff product in, I would say, like any sport. I think yeah, I would
2: agree football. with you. I, I really would.
0: Yeah, yeah and like, you know, I'm sad it's over. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's like, that
2: <laughs> Right, right. That's how we all feel today. But it, it's the day after the Cup final ended. And all of us sitting around like, well, what do we do now?
0: Yeah, I was like, so there's no hockey on? <laughs> <laughs> um, what was your your take on how the finals played out?
2: Yeah, so look, the whole playoffs were fantastic. Oh, this yeah. was actually one of the best playoff years I've I've seen in a long time. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, it seemed like almost every series was, you know, edge of your seat. Really, there's only one or two series that wasn't like that. Right. Um, when you look at the cup final, you're in a scenario here, but like, really the best two teams in the league were there. Like they both deserved it. You not have picked a better matchup, uh, depending on your fandom. Just from a (laughs) hockey standpoint, these are the best two teams. And then to see uh, two things, you know, Tampa Bay, a team that's now there for their third year in a row, which hasn't happened since the early '80s with the Islanders. So they're chasing history in the the cap era, which is incredible. And then you have the Colorado Avalanche, who have been up and coming, uh, you know, for years. Really out of hell, they were the worst team in the league not that long ago. Um, to come all the way up to the ranks to get to the cup final and then and then eventually win Um, so the hockey was fantastic the talent was fantastic in the sense of the game has really evolved since they uh since the lockout and the removal of of two-line passing and the uh, some of the other rules where you're seeing now a generation of players that grew up like that and they are off the charts Kael mccarr i mean the, the defenseman led his team in points in the playoffs. Uh, We haven't seen that since probably Bobby Orr to the level that he did it. And then you have just amazing athletes on the ice. What stood out to me the most though, um, I actually did something about this this morning, was John Cooper, the coach, and um, Jared Bednar. Um, After the loss, John Cooper, who's the lightning coach, who's just won two cups in a row, was so humble, so gracious, and had some of the most put together thoughts I've ever seen from someone who had just lost. Um, in the sense of how grateful he was to be in the position he's in, how reflective he was, how appreciative of of his players, he complimented Colorado to have that amount of grace in probably the most crushing moment of his life. Professionally, let's be honest. Yeah. Is insane to me that he had the wherewithal and the clairvoyance to, to be like that. And then you switch over to Bednar and he's the same way. It's just the, the, the grace that those two coaches had after that war really stood out to me and then you know it seems like there's an understanding that from a coaching standpoint that these players are people and being uh empathetic and appreciative of the people is important you know people listening probably nodding yeah that's right that's not how coaching has always been all right you've seen this and i've seen this i mean i've seen coaches talk to players like they're cattle right and expendable i mean so i think these two coaches are really showing what the new wave of coaching looks like, and you know, people go, "That's soft." Well, it's working. Man, it's I, yeah. You got a team that's been in the cup final three times, another team just won the cup. So, your your uh, objection is irrelevant, right. <laughs> if you think that's too soft. And, and it also comes down to how you define softness. Uh, you, you know, being empathetic and gracious doesn't mean you're not on top of someone when they're not doing their job.
1: Sure.
2: All right. It it just means that you're able to see it from their point of view, and that these are people. And every successful coach, every one of them that I've interviewed, has said. You gotta get to know your players. You got to get to understand. And if you can't do it, you need to find someone who can. Uh, that's what stood out to me, um, uh, especially Cooper in the losing position. Even when he was losing in the series, he was saying, wow, I'm in the best league in the world. Look where I am. I, I, I kind of share that philosophy. So that's what stood out to me. <laughs> it wasn't even just the gameplay, um, but what a fantastic uh, season after two years of COVID, um, you know, seeing the NHL, no one can deny that was fun. That was just a lot of fun, you know what I mean? And and I'm looking forward to what they do next year.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm really glad that you um, brought up that point about the co- the coaching and um, that you know the, this culture change going on mm-hmm. in the league and hopefully in other leagues as well. And
2: it better be, yeah. You know,
0: we talked about this on your podcast: the qualities of of a leader and how important finding compassion, empathy is as a leader. Um, and to see it being played out in real time and how successful it can make someone. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Look, look, it's a new era. One of the things I always talk about with coaches, because I coach coaches a lot. And some of the, the red flags I look for is when a coach says, well, I was motivated this way. Man, what a what a red flag, right? Your players may not be motivated the same way you were. That That's just a major mistake. Or the other one I look for is, well, this is the way I've always done it. That is the most dangerous phrase in the entire English language. If you're not constantly growing, learning, uh, finding new ways to do things, experiencing new things as a coach, your uh, clock is ticking. Right. I, I have you're that already quote. You're
0: falling now. behind in that.
2: Fact. Yeah, you, you. the best coaches are always learning, always. They're always, and, and not just by, uh, oh, I, I have to learn something. They are actively seeking out ways to learn and new experiences and sharing information. Um, I always have this phrase that, you know, good coaches know everything, great coaches know nothing, right? And and you have to continually reinvent yourself, even if you're coaching the same team every single year. Uh, you're a Giants fan, correct? Yes. Okay. The, your Super Bowl team is maybe the greatest example of that of all time of a coach who completely 180 ed himself. Absolutely. Tom Coughlin, right, almost lost his job before the, I believe, the 08 the 08 season, right? So 07, 08 07, season. One. 08, yeah. Uh, and this is well documented that he, his players hated him.
0: Absolutely. And
2: yeah. Uh, they went to him and said listen like we need you to change these things and it was it was the right they went about it the right way I should say that they didn't just go up to him and start screaming you know they asked for a meeting and they told him like we we would like these things to change can we talk about it he changed them instantaneous Super Bowl I mean it was it, it, on a team that shouldn't have won that year too but, right all right and I'm not a Giants fan I'm an Eagles fan so so I'm saying this out of you know, massive hatred for that it's team. Sheer respect. For yeah. Yeah. That's a better way of putting it. Right. Um, but like, that was a great example of a coach completely changing how he does things to uh, understand, not just appease, but to understand his players and, and, you know, really you won two Super Bowls because of that. Yeah. Um, right. So that's a great coach to me. Um, and I could, I'm not going to, but I could give at least five to 10 examples of coaches who have done that uh, and learned but that, that is something that's it, it, obviously this isn't just limited to coaching. This is social issues. <laughs> it could go through anything. Right. Um, you know, if you're not willing to learn, you're, you're going to stay in place. And right. I always say is if you stay on the tracks too long, a train will eventually come through. Yeah. All right. And if you're not, if you don't know what you're doing, it's, you're not going to be around.
0: Absolutely. Great points. Um, I do want to talk about the fact that you are an author for multiple books, which is very impressive.
2: No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I got into writing almost by accident. So I've always enjoyed writing. Um, and really as a young boy, I, I really did. I, I always had kind of a flair for it. I always kind of spoke to me, but I never thought I'd be an author. Um, and when I was in uh, graduate school, uh, when I, I think a mutual professor for Dr. Amy Giddings, um, who I, I was heavily involved in the program, I was at my master's thesis point. And she said to me, just like she does, she doesn't pull any punches, right? She just tells you. She goes, no, you're gonna write a book. And I said, I don't, what are you talking about? I can't write a book. She's like, you're not going to do a thesis. You, you're going to write a book. And she just kind of kept saying that. And I remember I started going, maybe I can write a book. She's like, you're going to write a book. And I wrote a book. I about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did. I wrote like a 150 page kind of thesis and, and it turned into a book. And, um, you know, that whole process took a while, but I had a publisher that believed in me. And um, that turned into my first my first book, Think Like a Fan. Um, which is really all about uh, team building in business and how uh, businesses can utilize audiences to grow their business, right, to create a community. And it's funny uh, because from that book, I said, well, I got to make a business not to prove it. That business is my flagship now, Hockey Wraparound, which, which is globally sold. And we built it on the info on that book. And then it's funny how you fall into this. Uh, then I won a, a, a professional championship in Europe. So I wrote a book about my team building philosophy and I've been using that book to do that. Um, and, and some of the other ones too, you know, when, when COVID hit, um, we wanted to help businesses. My, my business was um, thriving. And I say that uh, with, <laughs> I mean, we were so fortunate in that time period to be doing well, but we wanted to give back because we knew so many people weren't. So we wrote a guide for businesses to, when they were recovering from COVID on how to do that. We gave it away. We didn't charge for it. We gave away free courses and we gave away the book just to give back. Um, We did a lot of stuff with um, our companies to donate money at that time. Um, I wrote another book with my wife, uh, who's a physician, about how doctors can stay in medicine uh, through team building and and other methods that my wife came up with. Um, And then I most recently put out a children's book called uh, When Hockey Stops about how children can deal with adversity in sport. Um, that was that was inspired by COVID too, because all the kids were suddenly told they can't play their sports. So um, we wanted to write a guide for them that, you know, look, when you can't do something you love, and in this case, they, the main character breaks his wrist, there's a lot of other ways to stay involved. You don't have to just stop hard and that's the end of it. So um, writing has been a gift. I still do it. I'm still working on projects all the time. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's funny as I evolve as an author uh, I do it, it's just like I talked about it with hockey, it's really the enjoyment of writing and sharing information. And, you know, people contact you and say, hey, I read your thing, and it really spoke to me, or this really changed my life. I mean, that's why you do it. It's not, it's not to make a million dollars or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's another blessing. I, I really, I, You're going to hear throughout the episode, I'm so thankful for where I'm at, I don't take it lightly. And I'm really trying to send the elevator back down and help people when I can now, because, because, that's that's the gift you know you got you got to see the world that way or it's going to be tough
0: yeah that's really nice um and I do love that you wrote like a kid's book I think that's really important um oh yeah to teach young people these things at, at that age I also think and something that I'm passionate about is educating youth that even after you're done playing sports, because obviously not everyone's going to play in the pros and some people are not even playing college. So, but if you have a passion for the game that there are other avenues that you can still be involved in and be passionate about what you love, but they're not educated about it. Right. Um, You
2: know, if I'll just tell you this real quick, look, Yeah. we need leaders right now. We have a lack of leaders. It's been like that for 20 years, All right? There just hasn't been amazing leadership. I'm not saying you're not a leader. I'm not saying that people listening to this aren't leaders. You're absolutely a leader. But the truth is this. If we want real change, however you want to define that, uh, they're in school right now. The next great leaders are in school right now. And I want to inspire them not to think like I think, but to think like they think. I want to inspire them to know and believe, hey, you can be a leader. All right. And these are the aspects you need. You apply it however you want. And when you become a leader, and you might be leading a cause I completely disagree with. But be a leader, right? Because the truth is we need that desperately right now. And if we're not helping kids learn that, because truth is this, in my opinion, if you're an adult, uh, uh, you're, it's tough to change the world as an adult. It really is, right? It's tough because there's so many conflicting opinions and conflicting attitudes. And I'm right, you're wrong, go screw yourself. We get in our own way sometimes. Right. But children, if you give them the foundation of that, they start at a young age, you know, they develop into a leader before they're out of high school. And I think that's where change is really going to come.
0: Definitely. And while we're all kind of on the subject of leadership, you know, you mentioned that you help leaders take their organization or team to the next level. What are three key points that you often tell people or teach people to be better leaders?
2: Yeah, great question. Again, number one is trust. Uh, we have a complete misunderstanding of what that word means. Uh, in fact, when I work with a team or an organization, the first question I always do, because I always say these interviews work both ways, I say, and I challenge your audience right now, right? Can you define the word trust without using the word trust in the definition, right? And really think about that because trust is the foundation of every relationship you're ever gonna have in your entire life. If you don't trust someone that drastically, drastically changes that relationship. Right. You can be in trust. You can be out of trust. We, we, again, we don't say that, uh, you know, you lose trust. We, we break trust. Like think about the word choice there. Um, you know, once you get a definition, you'll find that everyone has a little bit of a different definition with that word. All right. There's a base definition of kind of reliance on somebody else. But look, I've asked, uh, uh, you know, business owners that I get one answer. I've asked inner city youth, you know, in areas where murder is very prevalent, that it's a very, very different answer. When you go to a team or an organization, you have 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 people with different definitions of that word. And that as the foundation of everything, if you don't have a communal understanding of that, you are set up to fail. You are set up to fail. So one, I define trust for organizations. I help organizations figure out what that means. Um, number two is communication. Uh, I, I say this all the time, 10 out of 10 problems. Not 9 out of 10. I joked before, I'm not a dentist. 10 out of 10 usually caused by bad communication or no communication, right? And understanding communication in many ways, how to communicate with somebody. What is said, sometimes what is not said, right? Did you take that text message the wrong way? Did that person mean that completely different? That's happened to every one of us here, yes. right? You just said, I love you, but there was no exclamation point. What does that mean? Like, whoa, okay, reading that one a little bit. So I think that establishing within an organization, how important communication is. Maybe sometimes, not, not a hierarchy, but a, a chart of how communication flows, right? I've been on teams where a player jumps over, an assistant coach to talk to the head coach, and the assistant coach feels slighted, a player feels slighted. Could have been avoided just by understanding, hey, that's not the method of communication. That's not the pathway. Um, so number two is communication. You, you, you establish trust, so that's there. Then you establish communication, which is, okay, everybody trusts each other that you're doing the right thing. Now we can flow communication right? And then the last thing is that the cultivation of that, all right? What do I mean by that? I can get any group of people, any group, and you could hate each other. I can get any group of people to work together for a day. I can, okay? It's it's actually not that hard at all, all right? Getting a group of people to work together for a month, six months, eight months, a season, 12 months, 12 years, that is the real challenge, right? To have that communal feeling for a long time is the challenge. So I always tell organizations, you have to nurture this bond that you're growing, trust, communication, there's about 15 other steps. But the idea is you have to have a method that's going to continually cultivate that. That could be team building events once a month that are not BS, right? I mean, real team building, not just that we got together and bitched for an hour. That's not right. team building, that's called commiseration. <laughs>
0: right,
2: I can't stand what, yeah, we got together and we talked. What did you do? We talked. Right, what did you that's,
0: accomplish?
2: Yeah, it's, it's not team building. That, that's an excuse that's saying we did team building, right? Um, understanding what motivates and what doesn't motivate each person. Do people need to meditate? Do they need to not meditate? Do they need to cry on a shoulder, talk to somebody, understanding those little nuances of a group and then continually nurturing it throughout the year or whatever the chosen time period is. Um, And having somebody to be there to do that is insanely important, right? You, You can have the same group of people together for a long time. Things change. Life happens. People are born, people die, people break up. People go through immense amounts of pain. Whoever you're dealing with today is not gonna be the same person you're dealing with in the future. And I don't think we, we spend really any time doing that. All right, I think we spend a, a 1% of our time doing that. And, and I am a believer that it should be like 33.3% of the time spent on that. And I'll tell you what, we do that in my company. We do that with my teams and it has always been successful. All right, I just think people go, I don't have time, I don't have the time. Make the time and it will take care of itself. So those are my, I had to pick three things. Trust communication and nurture that bond. That's, what I, that's where I'm at. And again, there's about 10 more, but I'm not going to dive into those, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, we would have to, you know, that's, that's a that's another, bring you that's, in. Like, yeah, that's
2: another podcast, video. right?
0: Right, that's yeah. a bring you in to the organization, <laughs> right, right? talk right. to all the people type of deal.
2: Right, but look, I'll be honest with you. If you start with those three things, whether you bring someone like me in or not, that, that's a great start. and and the information's all out there carly you just got to want to find it uh and and kind of fight that voice of i don't have time i don't i don't want to do this You're dealing with people you and again there's more than enough research to show is that when you cultivate the relationships and the people and understand them productivity goes way up like way up the stats on just meditating for 20 minutes and productivity there's one for your audience go look data right (laughs) It's unbelievable. So the answers are there. We just have to kind of break our traditional thinking of, you know, I, I identify nine to five and more right. 60 hours a week. It's, it's, it's not true. It's not true. And, and, and when we evolve into that, that not just businesses and sports, but the world will be a better place.
0: Right. Love love all that, what you're saying. And I, I, I feel inspired um, by what you're saying. I always, I do. Um, And um, before we wrap up, I just want you to tell people where they can find you, your books, your podcasts.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, you can always find me on my website, leemjelias.com. Everything is kind of housed there. And uh, the podcasts are on any place you can listen to podcasts, depending on what it is. But I, again, I, I have several. So the idea, <laughs> the idea is that if you go to my website, Liam J. Elias, it'll all be there. And, and any of you can email me at any time uh, at Lee at game seven group.com. Even if you, if you listen to this and you have a thought, I, I, I will talk to anybody. Um, that's not a problem. And look, Carl, I want to say this too, before we wrap up, I, I, I appreciate what you said about me. I am so inspired by you. And I'm going to compliment you for a minute because to accomplish what you've accomplished, um, not just in life, but, you know, in in football is amazing to me, you know, which it's automatically an uphill battle being, being a woman. Um, And that never phased you one bit, at least not from my eyes. Uh, And I I said it on my other podcast, you are a trailblazer. I look up to you. I really do. All right. Uh, My, my road, I don't want to say it was easy, but uh, there were not as many hurdles in the way for me to accomplish what I've accomplished for you every day seems to have a hurdle. Um, and I said this to you too, like I have a son and a daughter. Uh, and I think it's very important that they see you and and people in your position uh because that's the future, right? Uh the future is that if you know the stuff, you know the stuff. Doesn't matter what your background is, what gender you are, if you know the stuff, you know the stuff. And I just want to be an ally to you and and your audience and your what you're trying to accomplish because you inspire me too. Um it's one of the reasons I I have no problem being here and you know, I, I love this conversation.
0: Thank you. Well, I really, really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you coming on and spending the time with me.
2: No, it's my pleasure. And and power to you and your audience, man. Keep doing the good work. Thank you.
0: I had a really great time talking with Lee. Um, He, one, he does a lot of public speaking for a living. So he is just like, very, very great to listen to, and his points are really unique. He brings a great perspective, and I just found it really inspirational. I think what he said applies to anyone in sports, outside of sports, anyone who has a leadership role, whether that's in their career or their life. Um, I think he provides a lot of good information, resources, points for people to take into their everyday lives and be better leaders, better teammates. And I think it's just so valuable.
1: 100%. And we all, it, it's so important to realize that sports teaches you a lot about life. That's completely, mm-hmm. you know, not about sports. And you can carry that with you throughout your whole personal life, corporate life, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys know where to find us. Next on a podcast on Instagram. Next on a pod on Twitter. Um, we're also on TikTok. Really need to get going with the TikToks again, Carly. Yeah. yeah <laughs> got start, got up the TikTok. Do some dances. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is if people only knew i could never in a million years ever picture carly doing a tiktok dance i just the funny I don't, thing
0: is i love to dance like I'll i know take, you're i take dance I class but I, I won't do that I'm isn't sorry. it
1: kind of funny that we both danced at the same place growing up like in our childhood and then we ended up like more yeah. so focusing on sports when we were It's That's kind funny. of funny i know yeah um thank you for reliving our <laughs> our childhood with us um <laughs> but we'll, we'll catch up with you guys next week